Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. If you have your Bible, we're going to go to the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis chapter number two, and we're going to read verse nine, and then we'll go to Genesis chapter three. Amen. Genesis chapter two, beginning at verse nine. And I want to say uh, to all of you mothers again, uh, happy Mother's Day to you. You are worthy. You are worthy to be celebrated uh, as, as givers of life. And let me say, and this is kind of my spiel every year. But I don't, I don't want it to just be mundane, um, just something that you hear. But if your mother is still with you, um, I don't really care what that relationship is. You need to reach out and tell her Happy Mother's Day. Uh, you know, this is my third Mother's Day without my mother. And I'm going to tell you, uh, you wake up on Mother's Day thinking about reaching out to your mom. And uh, it doesn't matter how difficult or strained the relationship is, there's going to come a day. Amen. So, so uh, don't wait to give them flowers when they pass. Give them to them now. And if your mother's alive, be grateful for that and reach out to her and celebrate uh, with her if you can today. If not, reach out to them uh, over the phone. I'm sure, I'm sure that she would love that. And it's this is a this is a treat. I love Mother's Day. It is a treat and an honor to be able to speak on Mother's Day. Because the Bible says so much about a mother. And uh, it is a godly ordained uh, role for a, a woman to be in. And uh, we thank God for them. Amen. Genesis chapter 2, beginning at verse number 9. And out, uh, I just can't get over Mia and cereal. <laughs> that was just perfect. That was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Sister Raleigh was just back there going, really, cereal and toast. No butter, nothing. You can't put butter on that toast, sis. Come on. Is jelly just too much? <laughs> that was perfect. That was perfect. I love it. Amen. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree. Everybody say every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life, also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Notice he speaks of two trees, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I heard people say, you know, that they, Adam and Eve ate the apple. It wasn't an apple tree. It wasn't a fig tree. They said, what was the fruit of that tree? It says it right there. Knowledge of good and evil. That was the fruit of that tree. And... Uh, that's, that's our beginning jumping off point, the two trees, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you'll go to Genesis chapter 3, just move over one chapter, beginning at verse 22. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence 
he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Amen. I know that was super encouraging. Amen. Talking about being banished from the garden and all of that. But it's our, it's our jumping off point this morning. And I want to preach to you on this thought. And it, if you'll give me just a little while to unwind it, it'll make sense in a little bit. But I want to preach on this. Nearly dead, but certainly alive. Nearly dead, but certainly alive. And would you pray with us right now? Jesus, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you for the life giving power that is in your word. I thank you for each of these mothers, these ladies represented here. And Lord, I pray that today you would be able to speak through me a word to bring encouragement and strength to each one of them. I pray that the power of your spirit would flow into this place and change lives, Lord, because we cannot do it in and of ourselves. And we're asking, Lord, that you would visit with us for just a little while in this house. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. Would you give the Lord another praise this morning? Hallelujah. Go ahead and give him praise. That's all right. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. If you haven't noticed, today is Mother's Day. And we thank God for our mothers. There's such a beautiful message in all that God created, including motherhood. Motherhood is a gift from God. It may not always seem that way. And we thank God for each of you mothers that went through the pains of childbirth. We thank God for each of you mothers because we know that although it is a gift, it is not an easy gift. Amen. Uh, I say I know. I, I know by observation. Amen. All the caffeine you run on. The minimal sleep you run on. All of the different titles that you've been given from mom to nurse to confidant to clean up on aisle six. We thank God for moms. Without mothers, we wouldn't be here today. And I thank God for these strong, beautiful women here today. And there's such a wonderful gift in motherhood that God created that tells us a very wonderful truth about salvation. Motherhood especially tells us about salvation. We will look at this text in the Genesis story of Adam and Eve where we read of the first mother in order to understand that special truth of salvation. The picture of two trees in the Garden of Eden, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They were stressed above all others and it's a very important principle that we are to keep in mind while we're reading the Bible. Those two elements, those foundational stones of truth being laid upon the foundation of life that there are two trees, the tree of life and the knowledge of good and evil. It flows 
throughout every line throughout the Bible. It sings harmony with all of the Bible. No other trees were mentioned in this context. There was no apple tree mentioned or a pear tree mentioned or any other fruit tree or nut tree or anything else. It only mentioned those two specific trees and they were specified among everything else. Each tree uh, was a spiritual tree that bore fruit that would implant a spiritual element into mankind. I want to stop and say this. Jesus said man cannot live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It was established early in scripture that you cannot live this life without a spiritual element being active in your life. Amen. You need not only the fruit of life Amen, in the physical sense, but you need the fruit of God's word in your life that can only come through the things of God. Can you say amen? Man would birth something as a result of eating either fruit. Within fruits, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 11 says this, that within fruit there are seeds. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, the fruit tree yielding the fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. Within the fruit is contained the seed. Within the seed is the potential for more fruit. I can look at a fruit tree and we can estimate how much fruit that tree will produce in a lifetime. But you cannot look at a seed and tell how much fruit it will potentially give. Because from that seed is more fruit that will produce more seed. Scientists are now understanding that when a young child is born, she is actually not only been carried by her mother, but also her grandmother. The genetics of those seeds are found to the second generation past. Amen. And it's a beautiful thing that God placed within woman the ability to be the perpetual life giver. Can you say amen? Fruit is distinctively known to bear seeds. And seeds impregnate or bring to conception in order to birth. I've said it before, and it's, it's an absolute fact, that if it were up to men to repopulate the earth, we'd be as barren as Mars right now. Amen. I don't know a man on this planet willing to go through what a woman goes through to bring a child into this world. Amen. We just, we just wouldn't do it. It just wouldn't be worth it. Amen. But a woman looks at that and says, I know it's going to hurt. I know there's going to bring life-altering changes to my body and my mind, but it's all worth it. See, God put that in a woman. God desired man to bring forth life in his walk. So he gave man the blessing of eating the fruit of life. Satan desired to hinder that product of God from coming forth, from birthing into the world. For he knew that it would be a product of God. So God wanted to bring life, but Satan wanted to bring death and destruction. And nothing has changed since the beginning. Even Jesus said in the New Testament, for the thief... Speaking of Satan, cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that I might give you life, and that life more abundantly. He heard God tell Adam in Genesis 1 and 28, and God blessed them. 
And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And Satan knew that the world he was cast into after his own fall would be filled with holiness and God's presence and God's will so man should eat of the tree of life and produce or birth the issues of life. So Satan determined, I'm going to wreck this. I'm going to wreck this. If Satan could not rule in heaven and was cast out, then not on his life was he going to allow himself to be cast out to earth only to be ruled by men. So hell made up its mind at that moment that if I cannot rule in heaven, I will rule on earth. The devil sought to fill man with another substitute that would hinder God's life from filling man. But we know the end of the story. Satan will be cast out of the earth into a bottomless pit and then finally into a lake of fire. And if you were here on Tuesday night, what a powerful move of the Holy Ghost we had as we talked about the millennial reign and we talked about Satan being bound in chains. Amen. And how there will be peace upon the earth. Amen. I'm so glad I'm a part of a kingdom that has already won the war before we've even engaged in the first battle. Amen. The tree of life bore fruit that would implant within mankind a specific form of life. Adam was already a living soul before any, he ate any fruit of any kind, which makes it obvious that this life in the fruit was not the natural life that Adam already possessed, but it was a God life. It was a spiritual awakening in him. It was a communication with God. This life was God's life. This life was a supernatural life. At some point, we all have to make a decision in this life. Am I going to live for myself or am I going to live for a greater purpose? Am I going to live a life to fulfill the needs of my flesh and my carnality? Or am I going to live a life after the things of God? When God formed man in his own image, there was a reason for this shape, and it is found in the goal that God set for mankind. Adam was created in the precise form or image so that the Spirit of God, after whose image Adam was made, would then be able to indwell in that man and bring his influence into a dimension of the physical realm of creation. In other words, what God did is he made Adam in his image so that he could dwell within Adam and have a relationship with Adam and through that give him dominion through the realm of creation. Man was to act as a living junction point between the spiritual and the unseen dimension, the physical and the supernatural dimension. What you could touch and what you couldn't touch in order to allow God to fully manifest through Adam in the manner he chose to do so. He made Adam in his image because he wanted Adam to be a physical representation of what he was and is spiritually so that Adam could be that middle point between what is invisible and what is visible. What is supernatural and what is natural. Amen. God wants to live inside of each and every person today his desire has not changed such imaging would satisfy God's need to manifest as much and as freely as possible through man even Satan sought out 
a fit formed creature to manifest himself through as he sought to, te- to tempt the woman. Satan sought, Jesus, uh, God sought a manifestation and that was man through which he could work. Satan sought something after his image through which he could work. And he found a serpent because he was subtle, subtle in nature. Because he was slithery, quite repulsive. Amen. Yesterday, some of our men went shooting uh, pigeons, clay pigeons out at Quail Point. They sent me a picture. There's about a three and a half foot snake that was out there. Don't let this keep you from going because you have a gun. And I responded back with, kill them all. Amen. I showed Addie and I said, Addie, you know what my favorite snake is? A dead snake. That's right. Amen. (laughs) Amen. He found something. He found something repulsive. Something as low as it could be. Something that strikes terror in the heart of every man and woman. Something that twists. Something that slithers. What better creature to use to deceive than the most subtle beast of the field? Satan hijacked the serpent and used it as a vehicle to birth his own form of deception to affect the people of the world. And this same principle of birthing is found in John chapter 15. Jesus spoke about being the vine and our position is the branches. We are to bear fruit through our lives as a result of being attached to the vine, which is Jesus Christ. This can be none other than a reference to the need of bearing the fruit of the Spirit in our life. But we as branches cannot bear fruit unless we get our life source from the vine. These are virtues originating from the spirit that flow outward uh, from within our hearts where God's spirit abides after we are born again of the water and of the spirit. So we know by this that God did not forget about his original plan. Aren't you glad today that man is not forsaken or permanently barred from the opportunity, amen, that we could have a relationship with God? Aren't you glad that we are not forever cast out to never have a relationship with the Lord again. I don't know about you, but on this Mother's Day, I'm thankful that God established a way that we could have connection with Him and communion with Him and relationship with Him. Amen. When we when we bear the fruit of the Spirit due to being attached to Jesus Christ, the vine, we are seen as the junction point between God's Spirit and the world. Did you hear that? When we are connected to the vine and we as the branches bear fruit, we are seen as the junction point between God and the world. He flows through us as sap flows through a branch and manifests itself in our lives in the form of the fruit of the Spirit. He is the vine. And you could say that he is also the fruit, yes, but we are in the middle. We are connected to the vine and we are holding on to the fruit. We are the junction point between where we connect to God and God manifests himself in our life. Amen. I've come to encourage somebody right now. Just stay connected to Jesus. Just stay connected to the Spirit of God because if you will stay connected eventually, he will bear fruit in your life. 
Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I want the world to see me, amen, not as just a husband or a father, not just as a professional or a pastor, but I want the world to see me as being connected to the vine and me being the branch and fruit being born out in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The branch has the unique function of transforming God's spiritual will into fruit or activity that people can see. Amen. The branch has the unique ability to connect to God who is invisible and bear fruit which is visible and we become the junction point between the invisible and the visible, the intangible and the tangible, the supernatural and the natural. Amen. From nearly dead to certainly alive we connect to that thing which gives the life source to all of mankind. Eating the fruit of life corresponds to the modern day blessing of receiving the infilling of the Holy Spirit. When a person receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that person receives God's life. Let me say that again. Receives God's life. Not The Holy Ghost is not the third cousin of God. It's not God's adopted child. Or it is God himself. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive God himself into your life. Not a weakened form of God, not a deluded form of God, not a homogenized form of God, not something that's not as powerful. You receive God in you, the hope of glory. Because when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, God dwells in a person. The Bible said God tabernacles or God finds a dwelling place or a lodging place in a person. Paul said we are temples of the Holy Ghost. Oh, I feel like preaching on Mother's Day. John chapter 6 and verse 57, Jesus says, As the living Father hath sent me, I live by the Father, so that he that eateth me shall he live in me. Oh, hallelujah. Not only is he the vine, but he's also the fruit. And we have the ability to spiritually eat of that fruit. And when we eat of that fruit, Jesus said, when you do that, I'm in you and you are in me. This indicates that God did not forget the manner he originally chose to impart his life to mankind. Jesus Christ came to the earth to accomplish the same end that the purpose of the fruit of life was intended to provide. But much more was involved in giving man this life since Adam's fall because man had the problem of inherent sinfulness after Eden's tragedy. And that problem had to be dealt with. And the problem was dealt with in a way that we find in Genesis. God multiplied the woman's pain. 
and her conception after she sinned. She would bring forth children in pain. It has been the curse of woman since the fall of mankind in the garden. Since that, see, God never intended ladies for childbirth to be painful. God never intended it for it to alter your mind or your appearance. God never intended it for it to have amen but because sin came into the picture amen then pain had to come into the picture I'm going to tell you something all sin will bring pain amen I said all sin will bring pain it may be fun amen don't shout me down when I'm preaching good it may be fun sin is fun temporarily it's fun for a moment but the end result thereof is pain and death and misery and suffering. And God, now listen, I, I hope you're getting something out of this, but I've got to bring this up. I know it's not politically correct even in the church world to say this, but because of Eve's sin, God cursed her with the pain of birth. This tells us a very important truth. God's will was to have us birth his will into the world. And that is still his will. But an added complication arose since sin. Mankind can still bear fruit, but a suffering must first occur. This is the truth behind the phrase God spoke before he cast Adam from the garden. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 22. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. It was obviously not a good thing at that point in time for Adam to gain never-ending life. Adam would never have died before sinning because death only came by sin. That's what Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 says. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. It was never the design of God for mankind to die. It was never the design of God for humans to go by way of the grave. But when sin entered into the picture, the result thereof would be death. Amen. God required Adam's death to free man. A woman comes to the closest point of death in her life. The Bible says when she brings forth a child. And I'll never forget giving my mom problems and she reminded me of that. I almost died, haven't you? Amen. Amen. Smart woman, I'd use it too. A woman comes to the closest point of death in her life when she brings forth a child. This is God's way of relating a message to mankind. He originally wanted a vessel through which to birth his will into the world. So he made man in his own image, in his own image, that would best fit him. His vessel, man, became filled with sin and something else instead. It is noteworthy that Satan went to the woman first. Let me say that again. Satan went to the woman first. Why did he not go to Adam? And you could surmise that Adam was too strong and you'd be wrong. He went to Eve first 
because even Satan knew from which life would spring forth. He knew which of the two would give birth. And he went to the woman. The woman was later called Eve or the mother of all living. Adam was to multiply and fill the earth with other humans. They had to be born from Adam and his wife. The wife would be the means of Adam multiplying. The devil missed the chance to attack Adam and stop him before God took a rib from Adam and made a woman. You see, Adam had already multiplied once. Then the person, the one person became two. Soon two would become four, and four become eight, and eight become 16, and the multiplication would take place. So the devil acted before children were born of the mother. If he could contaminate the source, that is the mother, then all children would be unfit vessels and would be contaminated, therefore intending to dilute the vessel through which God would want to birth his purpose through. So the devil, having a hard, having heard that, sought to hit the means of the birthing for other children and cut off their chance of bearing a brood of holy children whom God could feel with his life also by getting the future mother to sin and contaminate her own life but the Lord God made the devil to wonder and stand in amazement he told the serpent that the woman would still bear a child that would turn the tables back he looked at Satan and said you may thought you may have thought that you had ended the hope of that woman ever giving birth no I'm going to still let her give birth but I'm going to attach pain to it and not only am I still going to let her give birth but one of these days the child that she brings forth his heel is going to bruise and crush your head you see Satan at his best could not stop the plan of God in the earth Satan did not understand how this could be since the woman was contaminated and filled with something other than God's life from the tree of life. But we can understand it today knowing what God did. And when we take a look at Genesis 3 and 22 where God would not allow a man to go to the tree of life and eat and live forever, we get a clearer hint of what God was trying to do. Imagine Satan hearing all of this. He heard God tell Adam that, 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 uh, that should Adam eat a the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that he would certainly die so he wants Adam to die instead of receiving life he then messes with the mother that is Eve he messes her up through uh, whom Adam would multiply himself she would die and then he messed up Adam through her and he would die he then heard the Lord tell them that the seed of the woman would turn the tables and defeat the devil's power or bruise his head then we read that God tells the woman she would suffer in childbearing and then he hears God say that he cannot let Adam back into the garden because if he eats of the tree of life he will live forever God leaves Adam then dies
lies. What gives, says the devil? I tried to mess this up. What on earth is God up to? Satan knew that God had a plan, but he just could not figure it out. He could not tie one of these phrases together and make any sense out of it. But in the midst of all of this chaos and sin and death, there is a beautiful plan that is beginning to spring forth from the soul of eternity. There is life shooting up. Amen. Like the promise of a tomorrow, death comes by sin. God cursed a woman to suffer in childbearing. But this is not the end of the matter. And this is all spiritually applicable. Mankind would be God's vessel before Adam sinned without any suffering. But after sinning, God chose to reconcile man through suffering in order to bring forth his life through man. As a woman almost dies to bear a child, there would come a death that would bring forth a son, but not just any son, a son with the power to defeat the devil and a son with the power to multiply many sons of God on the earth through death and through a child or a son would come victory over death. Yes, death is the closest, uh, birth is the closest a woman comes to death. She is almost dead, but certainly she will bring forth life. From the birthing room of pain and agony and the treading on the very edge of death would come life. I remember when we were going through birthing classes uh, that we had to go through. I don't know if we didn't go through them. They wouldn't let us have a kid. But we had to go through them. And I remember I didn't want to go, and I think I've told this story. I didn't want to go. I mean, I, and I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to get in trouble, but I'll say it anyway. Hey, man, I think sometimes we, rem- we, we make something so natural way too dramatic. I, I, I love that. What, what was she called? She wasn't a doula. She was a hippie chick. That's all I know. I can't remember what they called her. But, I mean, when she walked in, I went, uh-uh. She had everything but a weed pipe in her mouth. I mean, she tie-dye, flip-flop, flowers in her hair, granola munching, tree-hugging, whale-kissing hippie. And I thought, nah, uh-uh. She ain't got nothing to say to me. And as I sat through that class, amen. My wife can tell you there was not a blank spot on those four or five sheets of paper they gave us that I had not filled up with notes. I was, smoke was coming off that pencil I was writing so fast. At one point, I elbowed my wife and I said, I wonder if we can get her to come teach something like this at the church one night. It was so powerful. And she said something, she had like 150 kids. I don't remember how many she had. She had a lot. Hey Amen. She had a lot. Amen. She had so many, she didn't go to the hospital anymore. She just goes, sits on the couch. There it is. Amen. She had a lot. And one thing, and one one thing she said was, she said, women, you are too dramatic with your pregnancy and birth. It's the most natural thing your body will ever do. Isn't that what she said? She says, matter of fact, you can't stop it. When that baby's ready to come out, it's coming out. It don't matter what you say in cold water, hot water. You said cross-legged, it doesn't matter. That baby's coming out. You are not going to stop it. 
and we act like we're trying to stop a heart attack. It ain't going to stop it. It's the most, this is what this lady said, it is the most natural thing your body will ever do. And then she said, and it hurts. She said, so you just need to get it in your mind right now. I hope I'm encouraging somebody. It hurts like the devil. It hurts. She said, but you got to remember, this pain isn't like the pain of setting a broken bone. She said, this pain has a purpose. For this is the only pain your body will ever experience that will bring forth another being. You're nearly dead, but certainly you're going to bring life. You're going to bring something that was non-existent in the physical world. You're going to bring it into the world. Only you can do that, mothers. Only you can do that. And from the birthing room of pain and agony and treading on the very edge of death would come life. The tree of life's fruit would return to mankind again through death. Do you get it? Do you see it? Through the woman. Through the birth of a woman would come a son. Would come a child whose name would be Jesus. And when Jesus died, he brought forth life for us. Amen. Through his death, he brought life. It may sound strange at first to hear this, but make sure that you realize uh, the following is on, only possible by one way and one way alone. For a sinful man, death is a blessing in disguise. Death in the proper light of understanding frees man from his sinful body. Demons cannot be saved because demons cannot die. They are normal. Only humans can be saved because we have a birthing point and we have a death point but what is on the inside of us is what lives forever I'm almost done I'm almost done God allowed man to experience the death of the flesh because he pre-planned to remove man's sinful flesh from him and render that flesh sin free God planned in all his wisdom that the penalty of death could actually be taken advantage of and through the penalty of death oh God would flip the table around and he would use death to bring life oh hallelujah hallelujah God designed to manifest himself in the likeness of sinful flesh and stand in our places to pay the penalty of death that we owed since a fleshly body will die because of sin. And through the payment of the penalty of death for us, God provided the situation that sin had damned our souls, but God's death would bring life and would bring a regeneration of our spirit. As a man, he died in our place, so it could be said that we died with him and were separated from our sinful flesh with him. When Jesus died on the cross, he showed us the way. God would save mankind and restore the opportunity for man to house God's life in order to see God manifest into this world or to see his will birth into the world 
through us in order for Christ to die for us and in our places to free us from sin, we had to be able to die too. When God said, and now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. In those few moments before he drove man from the garden, what he was actually saying was this. If man does not remain susceptible to death, then I will not be able to save him in the time to come. If he eats of the tree's fruit and he lives forever, then my plan to manifest in the flesh and take the man's sins upon me will be for when I manifest in the flesh and I die to remove that man's sin man will then become free from sin and be able to take the original benefit that I intended from the fruit of life my spirit itself being in him but if a man eats the fruit prematurely he renders himself beyond the ability to die I will not be able to manifest in the flesh and die in that man's place Man must be able to die in order for me to die for the man. God was saying I cannot take his place and die if his place is one that cannot die. God had to remove man from the garden in order to preserve mankind for a future salvation from his sin. This tells us that he planned from at least the time of Adam to redeem man through death. Hallelujah. Sin brought death. So God would turn around and bring salvation through death. Did you hear what I said? Sin brought death. So God turned around and said, I'll bring salvation through death. What a paradox. All of this means that God actually took advantage of the principle of death which came by sin to save us from our sin. Amen. Sin brought death and we were all born to die but God used death to his benefit and God used death to free us from sin and cause us to be born again. He turned the tables on the devil. Praise God. The devil thought he had won the war but God said, no, I will use your own time against you if death condemned man then by death I will redeem them oh go ahead and shout for the Lord right now oh I feel the Holy Ghost here this morning come on somebody give him high praise for a moment hallelujah hallelujah God said God said Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I know it's Mother's Day. I hope you are catching this. God said, if by your means and your plan death condemned man, let me use your own means to save man. Oh, hallelujah. For Hebrews chapter 2 and verses 14 through 15 says, For as much then as we, uh, 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 for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death. 
death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Did you get that? Did you get that? Paul said that God took the one who had power over death. He used that same death. He flipped it around and said, I'm going to use your same weapon, but I'm going to use it against you. No longer will I use death as a fear of the end of life, but I'm going to use death as a celebration because when we die, then do we truly live. Colossians 1 and 21 through 22 says, And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by your wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. When Jesus Christ was in the Garden of Gethsemane, as Adam was in the Garden of Eden, he drank the cup and he took our sins. Both Adam and Jesus took sin into themselves in a garden. Oh, I feel his presence in this place right now. I said both Adam and Jesus took their sins in a garden. You see, the Bible calls Jesus the second Adam. Jesus drank, whereas Adam ate. But sin was infested in both of them. The blessed difference is that Jesus obeyed the Father in drinking sin, whereas Adam disobeyed the Father by eating the fruit. The Father separated himself from Jesus Christ and was driven from the garden by the soldiers who crucified him unbeknownst to the soldiers just as Adam was driven from the garden amen due to his sin Jesus felt the brunt of sin and the forsakenness of the Father on the cross and that's why he cried out Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani which is to say my God, my God why hast thou forsaken me his humanity felt the real fear of a human, a human having to know nothing less than total union with God only to have that union broken for the first time due to sin contaminating his precious flesh in order that he might die in our place in order that he might take my sin and your sin and nail them to his cross in order for the great event of redemption to occur in the future and to thereby save man from his sins. God had to drive Adam from the garden and thereby preserve the newly acquired mortality in his flesh. Adam had to die so that Jesus could bring redemption. This flesh had to die so that God could bring salvation. This would allow God to later manifest in the flesh as a man and die in a man's place. Adam did not want to leave that paradise. I mean, what a loss. He once walked in the paradise with God in the cool of the day. He had it all. 
but such a great loss would come. But that great loss would eventually thousands of years later lead to a great find. Through the existence of death amongst mankind, Jesus Christ was able to die in our places in order to save us from our sins, in order to save us from the pain of a spiritual death. Through the, experience, through the existence of death amongst mankind, Jesus would step into our place in this manner and in this manner alone can man be made free from sin and the subsequent death so that he might enter into the garden and receive the life of God that was originally meant for Adam and Eve in the garden but you don't have to hike into the far east you don't have to go and try to search a natural garden in this house right now is a flowing tree of life is a flowing river of life if you're willing to die out to your sin, if you're willing to repent today, there is everlasting life. Come on, somebody give him praise this morning. Hallelujah. And I believe it's fitting as I try to find the runway this morning. I believe it's only fitting that when God decided to do this, he found another woman. Oh, hallelujah. He found another woman. This time he said, Eve and Adam through their disobedience, Adam's disobedience damned the entire human race. But I'm gonna let a woman now redeem the human race by her obedience. And Mary conceived of the Holy Ghost. And within her little womb grew from just a few cells that multiplied and multiplied. And it was life multiplying in her womb. Until one day in Bethlehem, in a barn, she would nearly die. <laughs> she would nearly die. But she was certainly going to live. Because what she was bringing forth, as she delivered that baby, she delivered her own life. Moms, it's nearly death. And I see Sister Cassandra right now holding this newborn. It's nearly death, but it's certainly alive. Oh, I feel his presence in this place right now. You see, if death was the way to separate us from God's presence, God said, I'm going to use death to reunite us to God's presence. Would you stand with me this morning? What a beautiful representation. <laughs> Pastor Watson, what a beautiful and perfect example. And we're so glad to see you this morning, Pastor. 
that if death separated us from God, it took a mother. It took a mother to bring forth a life that would surrender in death and that death would bring everlasting life to us. I only had about 40 minutes and no way in 40 minutes could I fully explain the totality of God's design. But I hope you caught a snapshot of it. Elder De Leon, God wasn't in heaven for thousands of years trying to figure out what to do. He knew what he was going to do. <laughs> Sister Watson, he, didn't, he wasn't in heaven for thousands of years going, now how am I going to save these people? No. From the moment they fell, Jesus became the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And God knew. And if by sin bringing death would separate them, God said, I'm going to bring death to reunite them. Ladies, your role, listen, your role was irreplaceable in the fall of man. Congratulations, you damned us all. you ready for this? He's a God of redemption. Sister Henderson, he didn't just leave women to be known as the ones who, who fell. But he selects a 15 or a 16 year old girl by the name of Mary. And he says, now, now I'm going to use you to redeem all. I feel the presence of God in this place right now. Hallelujah. You see, the giver of a life is in this place right now. And on this Mother's Day, oh, isn't it beautiful? Just as Jesus is the second Adam, so is the church the second Eve. I want you to close your eyes and lift your hands for just a moment. I'm about to open these altars. I feel His presence. While you're meditating on the Lord, I want to give you an image I want you to see before I open these altars. Close your eyes and just meditate on the Lord. Can you see Adam on a freshly created earth, alone and all by himself? And God says, it's not good for man to be alone. So with a wave of his divine hand, he puts Eve into it. He puts Adam rather into a supernatural coma and from his side he plucks a rib and from that rib he forms a woman and when Adam awakes he sees standing there his help me. He sees Eve and as soon as his eyes are open he says oh, oh this is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone and, and they lived together. They were condemned together. They died together and then there it was upon 
on Calvary's cruel cross where the Roman soldiers had stretched the arms of Christ as far as they could go. And the Bible said they thrust a spear into his side. Amen. In that rib region flowed water and blood. Amen. It was blood. It's the blood of Jesus through water baptism. Amen. That brings you into the bride of Christ. And Jesus beholds his church and says, For you are flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. And just as Eve was taken out of the side of Adam, so is the church taken out of the side of Christ. Do you see your role? He's given you life today. And not just any life, but everlasting life. And in this place today, God wants to realize the design He intended in the garden. And that was for you to bear the fruit of life. For you to bear the fruit of everlasting life. I want to open these altars right now for any and everybody in this place right now. God is moving in this place. God is moving in this house. There's something life-changing that has taken place. There's a life-changing move of God's presence in this house right now. Oh, I'm nearly dead, but I'm certainly alive. Hallelujah. He's come to give you that life and that life more abundantly. Come on, come on. I know. I know you've been going through it. There's been a resistance and a struggle lately. But you've got to understand that hell's fighting you with everything he can because you're the bearer of hope. You are the container of promise. You are what God designed and designated to bear his presence and his spirit in the earth. You are the branch. He is the vine. Come on, connect to him this morning. Connect to him this morning. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.